Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from our special guest. of the Lord. Good morning, everybody. Okay, now wait a minute. This is the 11 o'clock crowd. That means you slept late. You have no excuse. Plus, I'm not on the screen, so I can look at you today. So I know if you're saying amen or hallelujah or whatever, all right? So how many of you glad to be here? Amen. All right. I'm glad you're here. It's good to see all of you today. How many of you are thankful for Pastor A.J. and Crystal and their leadership in this house as our campus pastors? And uh, We are so glad for that. The whole team here and added a brand new, officially, Pastor Derek and Kaylee Robertson today, officially in the house. And uh, we thank God for them. I was going to let him slide, but I told him in the first service, I said, he's got to work on this beard thing. I mean, look at Tyler and look at Pastor AJ. He's, he's going to have to, going to, get, it, get it going there. So I'm going to hang out some of these bushy guys back here in the back and see what's happening there. Everybody ready for something today? I, I got to preach good. My mother's here today and my mother-in-law's here today. So... I gotta, I gotta do good today. Um, I'm excited about what God's up to. How many of you are excited about what God's up to? Are you really? Amen. I really am. I'm, I'm, I know it's dark, but I'm talking about the world. But I'm, I'm believing, I'm believing for great things. I believe in the, in the middle of darkness, God shines the brightest, and so we're, we're ready to receive what it is that God has for us. Let's pray together. And then we're just going to jump into the sermon. Father, I thank you today. Thank you for hearts and lives and people today who you're going to touch with your word. Lord, I'm believing for, for transfer of anointing to happen in the next few minutes. I'm believing today that lives are going to be touched, people are going to be changed, and the power of the Holy Spirit is going to be unleashed. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Why don't you take your Bibles today and go to the book of 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter. And as you're going there, let me kind of set up what God is doing in this moment in Scripture. David has been anointed to be king, but David has been on the run for his life for, for several years now because Saul is out to kill him. David, as we approach the 30th chapter here, David has made an alliance in the 28th chapter, 29th chapter. David makes an alliance with the sworn enemies of Israel. He, he makes an alliance with a group called the Philistines. Now, it's interesting that David makes an alliance with the Philistines because who was it that David killed was Goliath, right? And yet we find that even in that moment that there is now this alliance between David and his army and the Philistine army. What we find in this passage is, is as they're getting ready to go into battle, 
that the scripture says that the Philistines said, we're going to attack Israel, and we're just not sure about David. And so the Philistines came in. Now watch this. His, his friends have got rid of him, all right? The Israelites have pushed him out, and now his enemies are going to be doing the same thing. Now think about that. I mean, it's rough when even your enemies won't put up with you, all right? And the Word of God says they came to David and said, we're just not sure that you won't turn on us in battle. What we want you to do is go back to your home and uh, just hang out there and everything will be okay. And it's at a place called Ziklag. Would you say Ziklag with me? Now, again, I'm here, people. I know if you're saying it. So let's try this again. Say Ziklag and say it like you mean it. There you go. Ziklag. Now, I want you to hang on this because here's what I want. I'm going to talk to you today about lessons from Ziklag because there are some things that I see in this passage as we jump in to chapter 30. Let's just go to it. Verse 1 says, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now, the Amalekites had raided the Negev in Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it. And they had taken captive the women and everyone else in it, both young and old. They had killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men, now let me stop just for a second. These are mighty men of battle. These are men uh, who have fought. These are men who have been in contest after contest. And listen to what it says. It says, so David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. Now, you, you're talking about crying. I mean, I've cried before, but I've never cried. Anybody? I've never cried till I had no strength left. To weep. And these guys are at this point. It says David's two wives. We won't talk about it. I have one. Still got her. Don't want another one. David's two wives have been captured. Aniam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. Now, I want to give you seven distinct lessons that I find in this passage and they're very practical. In fact, let me say this today. I'm not going to try to be super spiritual with you. I'm not trying to, you know, take you to the third heaven. I'm trying to get you to heaven. And, and sometimes we have to understand how to live in the moment. Let me ask this question. How many of you have ever gone through a tragedy in your life? Would you hold your hand up? All right, I think that's pretty universal. I mean, if you're over like six months, you've probably had some kind of tragedy that has, has happened in your life. David is in this moment of tragedy, and, be, and, and we, we're going to learn some things out of this passage that I think that a lot of times as Christians we miss. A lot of times Christians have this uh, kind of pie-in-the-sky mentality. How uh, many of you ever heard it say, well, uh, God's going to work it all out? Come on, you've heard that. Let me help you. No, he's not. Okay, I'll just give you a quick scripture about it, all right? The Word of God says that God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. People go to hell every day, right? I don't want to mess with you too much, but this whole mentality that says, well, God's going to do everything. No, no, no. You and I have got to get involved in the process, all right? And, and so we have to understand that. In fact, let me just give you the first lesson real quick. Let's just jump into it. Here's, here's the first lesson. Ready? Bad things happen to God's people. No, let's say that again. Bad things happen to God's people. 
People say, well, I mean, David could have said, listen, I'm the anointed man of God. I have had Samuel has poured oil all over my head. Who, who, why am I having to go through this? And yet what we're finding is even though he is anointed, he shows up and there is a tragic circumstance that he is having to live through. This sermon came out of uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, we, as all of you know, I'm, I oversee the ministry, and, and when, it's, it's interesting. Somebody asked me one time, I said, well, what was your grand plan? I said, I didn't have one. He said, well, how'd you do all this stuff? How'd you have all these campuses and have all these churches around the world? And I said, I don't know. Just take it up with God. I don't, I don't have any grand, grand ideas. And I, I didn't set up one day and say, okay, I'm going to have five campuses. and go do this. It just kind of happened. And, uh, and there are days I go, God, why do we have five campuses? Come on. I mean, it's hard enough to pastor one church. Why do y'all get so quiet? Do y'all do this when I'm preaching up here? I can come out there, people. I'm off the screen today, all right? And, and, uh, and, and so we were, we were having a, uh, we had a, had a situation, and I'll just leave it at that. And I was, I was praying, I was praying one of those kind of intense, almost angry prayers. Anybody? Anybody ever prayed that kind of prayer? Anybody kind of ever, ever got just frustrated with God? Am I the only one? And, and I was, I was, I was kind of doing it, I was just, I was, I was hammering it one way. It was early one Sunday morning, and, um, uh, and, and all of a sudden, the Lord spoke a word to me, all right? And I don't just say that lightly. I'm, I don't go around saying, God said this, God said that. But God spoke to me in my heart, I felt, and it was one word. And I'll, I'll give you this word at the end. But it was one word that God spoke to me, and then he took me to this passage of Scripture. And, and it was one of the, it, this is one of those sermons that I didn't have to struggle for. It didn't take me weeks to put it together. It was like in just a, uh, a few minutes the next day, God just kind of downloaded this whole thing to me about these lessons from Ziklag. See, here, let, me, let me give you three words real quickly when, about bad things, when bad things happen to, to, to God's people. First of all, we have to admit it. All right? I, I know. I know your confession. I got it. I, I got it that you're snared by the words of your mouth. I understand all of that. But, but we also need to come to the place where we understand how to admit when we're going through a tough time. All right? I need to be able to say a few, uh, few weeks ago, a few months ago now, uh, I was supposed to be out of the pulpit for two Sundays and wound up being out for four Sundays because I got sick. I went on vacation and got sick. You're not supposed to get sick on vacation, Right? I mean, you're supposed to party. You're supposed to have a good time. You're supposed to party in Jesus' name, but you're supposed to, you're supposed to have a good time. And we're, we go to Myrtle Beach, and I get sick. And, I, and I'm sick for five weeks. Five weeks I was sick. Uh, in in uh, 23 days, I lost 18 pounds. It's a great weight loss plan, but I don't recommend it, okay? And, and, uh, and I, I was, uh, people say, how you doing? I go, I'm sick. I didn't go, praise God, I am well in Jesus' name. I was sick, people. All right. I, I mean, th there are those moments we got. We've got to come to the place in the in the kingdom of God and in the church, especially where we go ahead and and just admit what's happening in the moment that we're going through. Secondly, we have to accept what's happening. All right. This is not a good moment for David. This may not be a good moment for some of you today. You may be in the valley of the shadow today. It's okay, but you have to accept it before you're going to see God show up. All right? And then thirdly, you have to acclimate to it. In other words, you, you have to understand seasons are different in our life. Anybody? All right? So some, of us, some of us need to get a hold of this. 
All right, and you have to acclimate to the sea. When you're on the mountaintop, shout, run, dance, do all your stuff. But when you're in the valley, quit dancing because you irritate people. Because people in the valley don't want dancing. There, it's the time. The, the, let me just give you scripture because you, you give me that look. The Bible says there's a time to mourn and a time to rejoice. And we need to understand that as followers of Jesus Christ, that in those moments when we're going through a tough time, it's okay to admit it's a tough time, and then we have to wrap our brain around what we're going through. Secondly, it's found in the beginning of the sixth verse. It says, David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one, each of his men, was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. Here's the second lesson from Ziklag. I hope you're writing this down because you're going to need it. Tragedy creates doubt. Did you hear me? When you experience tragedy, doubt comes into your mind. These men have fought battles with David. These men have been in the trenches. These men, if any of you have, have served in military combat, you know that whoever you went into combat with, and when you came out on the other side, there was a bond that was different than when you went into combat. These men had done that, and yet in this moment, the Bible says they're ready to stone David. They're ready to kill him. Why? Because they look around and they see all the tragedy that has happened and now there's doubt in their mind. Anybody? Any, anybody don't, don't raise your hand. Just, just, in fact, don't even nod. Just when you get in the car today, just go, uh-huh. God will know what you're talking about. All right? Ha, have you ever been in that moment when you had something negative, something bad happen in your life that you even doubted if God was good? Don't answer it. But you know you have. Can I, can I help some of you today understand God's big enough to handle your doubt? I, I, I think, I think we, play, we, we play games as Christians, and, and even we, we kind of give the emphasis to people, oh, you, you should never doubt. You should. Now, listen, there's a lot of things I doubt. Uh-oh. I mean, there's stuff I read in the Bible, and I go, why is that in there? Anybody? You haven't been reading the Bible much, have you? I mean, there's this is, this is stuff in there. There's this stuff in there that you go, what's that about? I don't I mean, eternity, hell, hot. Well, I don't understand that. Right? Well, it's, it's for all the bad people. Well, that'd be us. Uh, okay, I'll give you more scripture. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That'd be all of us. All right? So that there's, there's aspects of this. That, that we need to, to wrap our brain about. So, so these men now, here's what they're doing. They're doubting David. They're doubting the call of God on David's life. They're doubting everything about him. Now, now watch this. Doubt, when you're in that place of doubt, doubt only looks at the problem. All I can see is the houses are burned, the kids are gone, my wife's gone. This is all I can see in the moment. I forget all the victories we've won. I forget all the healing that God has done. I forget the time that God delivered me. I forget the time that God put my marriage back together. I forget the time that God showed up just in the right time to help me to be everything that I want to be. I forget that because right now, all I can see is tragedy. And here's what I want to say about doubt. Doubt will either develop you or destroy you. 
Don't miss it. Listen, I've been doing this a long time, and here's what I've seen. I've seen people who have gone through almost identical situations, and I have seen people who went through a situation of tragedy, who, who get mad at God, who walk away from God, who throw it all in and say, I, I don't know what this serving Jesus is all about, and they walk away from the kingdom of God. And then I've seen other people, on the other hand, who in the midst of it just drilled down a little bit further, just planted their feet just a little bit firmer, who just stood up and said, I know that I'm going through a tough time, but I know that God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think, and I'm just going to hang on to Jesus. And, and they came through on the other side, as the Bible says, is pure gold. Because the Scripture says when your faith is tested by fire, that you're going to come out on the other side is pure gold. Let me give you the third one. Verse 6, the latter part says, But David found strength in the Lord his God. Isn't that great? The, the King James Version says, But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, now that's a wonderful. Here's, here's the third thing. You have to encourage yourself when you're in the middle of tragedy. All right, you, you just got, now this is a bittersweet passage to me because there should have been somebody who came along. I mean, there, there's 600 men that David's been fighting with uh, or has been on, on his side for, for years now. There should have been at least one or two of them come along and said, David, uh, we're going to make it. We've been in tougher spots than this. I've seen worse things than this happen. And David, it's going to be all right. But the Bible says they've all turned their back on him. But David said, I'm not going to let that stop me. See, sometimes your friends aren't going to be around. Sometimes your, your people that you hang out with are not going to be there. And it's in that moment that you have to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. You say, well, Pastor, how do I encourage myself in the Lord? Well, first of all, remember God's love. Do, do you believe God loves you? Would you just turn to your neighbor and say, God loves you? No, tell him like, like you really mean it. God loves you. See, God loves you. Secondly, Remember God's call. You say, well, I, I'm, not a, I'm not a preacher. I'm not a pastor. No, no, no. God called all of you. See, I, I, I think it's what's happening with David in this moment as he's encouraging himself in the Lord is that he's remembering back to one day when he's out there with daddy's sheep and, and he's out there by himself. He hadn't seen anybody for a week and he's just been out there strumming a harp, uh, you know, practicing with a slingshot. And all of a sudden, one of the servants or one of his brothers runs up and says, Daddy wants you to come home. And as soon as he gets there, Samuel stands up, Scripture says, and Samuel says he's the one, and Samuel pours a, a, the horn of oil over David's head, and is an, he is anointed king. And I think it's in this moment that David is saying, wait a minute, I remember what God did. I remember how God called me. Is anybody getting this today? I remember when, when, I, when the Holy Spirit lighted on my life and God changed me. I, I, I know what the devil's trying to do. He's trying to blind me to my future, but I refuse, I refuse to allow this tragedy to take away my call. Some of you today need to be reminded of the call of God on your life. You don't need to throw in the towel. You don't need to quit. You don't need to stop because God's call is upon you. And lastly, you just, to encourage yourself, just remember God's faithfulness. Remember God's faithfulness. He's never left you. He's never failed you. I know sometimes it feels like it, but he really hasn't. 
He's been there. You say, Pastor, you don't know the tragedy. I, I got it. But David is in this very moment where it feels like his world is over and he has to encourage himself by remembering the faithfulness of God Almighty. Number four is found in verse 7 and 8. Then David said to Abathar the priest, the son of Amalek, bring me the ephod. Abathar brought it to him, and David inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue this raiding party, and will I overtake them? The fourth, the fourth lesson is you need to inquire of the Lord. Why is it we inquire of everybody else but the Lord? Why, why, why is it you ask your friends? You, you have some of the most jacked up people in your life. Come on. You know they are. I mean, your your friends, I mean, that's why they're your friends. You're they're kind of they're kind of messed up. And and that's okay, because you're kind of messed up too. But you go to them for advice, or you go on Facebook. Come on, really? You you think you're gonna get good advice on Facebook. Let me, let me tell you what you're going to get on Facebook. You're going to get people who are glad that you're in the mess you're in. Right? Yeah, they're not going to give you godly counsel. They're going to be like Job's wife. Why don't you just curse God and die? Right? I mean, we, we, what are we doing? Why are we not inquiring of the Lord? You say, well, how do I inquire of the Lord? Well, first of all, get in His Word. What's the Word of God saying about your situation? Well, I, I'm, I'm going through uh, sickness. Well, what does God's Word say? Well, I'm going through uh, a marital problem. Well, what does God's Word say? Well, I'm, I'm going through a business issue. Well, what, what does God's Word say about this? See, that's what David is doing. The Scripture says David called for the ephod. Now, we don't understand the ephod. I, I was just reading about it just recently. Again, the ephod was the, the, the thing that the high priest wore that had all these stones in it that represented the 12 tribes of Israel, and somehow they lit up. I, I mean, you talk about, this sounds like Raiders of the Lost Ark stuff. I mean, it, it, they lit up, and they somehow gave them answers. Come on, anybody? I mean, I just go, well, really, God? Could you not just spoke? Could you not just sent, you know, an angel? I, I'll take him. Why, how am I going to interpret red, blue, and green? I don't know what that means. Y'all don't read the Bible with humor, I can tell. All right? And, and, but David is inquiring of the Lord, shall we go to battle? Shall we, shall we pursue? And are we gonna, what's going to happen? And, and, and the Scripture says uh, that, that in this moment God begins to do some things. But, but so he, you, you have to come to that moment that you, what does God's Word say? What does the Spirit say? But watch what David did. David went to his spiritual authority. I'm going to pastor for a minute. I don't get down here often. Now, I come on some on Wednesday night, but some of you I hadn't seen on Wednesday night. I'll just throw that out there, okay? Why is it you'll make life-altering decisions without ever consulting your spiritual authority? Uh-oh. <laughs> Good thing we were laughing a minute ago, Pastor. What, what is it? You, you, you'll, you'll decide you're going to marry somebody. Why well, got quiet? Y'all are tough this morning. And, and here, here's what I found as pastor. People don't come to us to inquire of our direction. They come to us to inform us of their decisions. Pastor, I, I got a 39 cent an hour raise, so I'm moving to east wherever. Really? Okay. 
God bless you. Have you got a church? No, no, when we get there, we'll find one. It's not that easy. Let me help you. There's not a good church on every corner. I know there's a church on every corner, but there's not a good church on every corner. And let me talk to you for a minute. I, I know that 39 cents or that $39 an hour, I don't care how much it is that they're going to give you, is good and it's wonderful. But let me give you something that's more wonderful, and that is a family that spends an eternity with God Almighty instead of getting our kids out here and getting them jacked up because we didn't keep them in church and we didn't show them the ways of God and we didn't live the way we because we were trying to pursue the American dream. Uh-oh. What happened to inquiring of spiritual authority? I'll, I'll, I'll move on. That one got a little tense. The fifth thing is found in verse 9 and 10. It says, David and the 600 men with him to, they came with him to the Besor Valley. Any of you ever been to the Besor Valley? Yeah, you have. Come on. Think for a minute. I, I told you, I, I read the scripture with humor. You ever been in Besor Valley? I've been in Besor Valley. I woke up in Besor Valley. I'm just sore at everybody. Come on. Think this through a little bit, people. Don't be so holy with me this morning. I have been in, you know you have been in Besor Valley. Everybody, if you don't know it, everybody around you knows you've been in Besor Valley. You just need to remember that from now on. And when they're acting that way, just go, you are in Besor Valley. All right? So anyway, I'll, I'll move on. I, I just want to give you a good word here. All right? David and 600 men with him came to Besor Valley where some stayed behind. <laughs> I don't want to touch that, Lord. But there's always somebody staying behind in Besor Valley. 200 of them were too exhausted to cross the valley, but David and the other 400 continued the pursuit. Here, here's the fifth thing. Let me, get, let me do this. The fifth thing is find those who are ready for battle. Okay, there comes a moment that you've dealt with all of this, and now it's time to fight. Now it's time to go to battle. But you can't take the Besorians with you. The Besorians need to stay behind because they are of the, the group known as the Eeyore anointing. Do y'all know Eeyore? Come on, come on, people. Winnie the Pooh, anybody that spiritual this morning? And th there's that Eeyore anointing. It's always negative. It's always bad. Come on. Some of you know people like that, and some of you might be that person. Everything's always negative. Everything's always horrible. And, and you, you need to leave the Besorians behind. There are some people in your life you need to shick them shy and just pass them right on by. All right? And so David just says, okay, you guys are tired. You, you, you're, you're sore. Just stay right here. But he said, I got the 400 men. We're going to go to battle. So what, what you've got to do is you've got to find those people around you who are ready to go to battle. Who are the people in your world that are saying, I'm ready to fight with you. I'm ready to help you get to the next place. I, I, I don't want people. Listen, when I'm in a moment of destruction, I don't want somebody to come along and tell me that it's going to get worse. I want somebody to come along and say, I'm ready to go to warfare. I'm ready to pray for you. I'm ready to fast for you. I'm ready to get a hold of God for you. I'm ready to reach. I'm ready to do whatever it takes to get you to the next place because I don't want to see you stay where you are. See, you got you to bring those people close to you. You got to get those people uh, in your life, those, those people whose hearts are with you and they're ready to go to battle. Those are the kind of people that we need in our lives in this moment. Can I give you two more real quickly? First uh, Samuel 30, verse 11 through 14. We won't, we won't read it just for the sake of time. Uh, you can read it when you get home. 
what happens is as David and them are going, uh, they, they find this Egyptian that's thrown over under a tree because he got sick. And he's, he's, he was serving an Amalekite general or something. And this Amalekite said, uh, he's worthless. Just leave him over there. And so David and them find him. And normally, now watch, watch what would happen. Normally, if you see an enemy combatant, what do you do? You kill him. Right? I mean, David's a, let me help some of you. David didn't just always play a harp. David cut people. David was a bloody man. In fact, God said, you're so bloody, you can't build the temple, right? And, and so D David's a man of war, and yet in this moment, because of what David is going through, David in this moment stops and begins to inquire of this person. Here's the sixth thing, and, and this one is so important in this moment, and that is this. When you are in a, a time of tragedy, look for divine appointments. Here's what I'll tell you. You are more open to a divine appointment in a time of tragedy than you ever are any other time of your life. In fact, I'll say it this way. In my life personally, I have had more divine encounters that changed my life when I was going through the tough time than I ever did when I was on the mountaintop. There are, there are moments in your, in fact, here's what would, in fact, most of the time when, when everything is going good, we run right by that divine moment. That appointment God has, we're, we're too busy. Everything's going good. We're, we're, we miss it. But when we're, when it's messed up, that's when we stop. Divine appointments happen in your vulnerable moments of life. When, when you don't know where to turn or what to do, God says, okay, I'll bring somebody into your life. And here's what happens when you have that divine encounter. That divine encounter changes your perspective. Did you hear me? David and them still aren't sure what they're doing until they have this divine encounter. And then at this moment, this servant who's about to die says to them, oh, yeah, by the way, I know where they are, and I can take you there. It's that moment that they move out of wondering and they move to a mission in life. Can, can I just say this? I didn't say this first service. Somebody needs to hear this. Some of you have wondered long enough. You're like the children of Israel who for 40 years you've been going around the same mountain, around the same place, and God's saying to you today, it's time for you to figure out what your destiny is. It's time for you to set a direction for your life and say, I refuse to continue to wander around any longer. I'm going to find out what it is God has. And then lastly, verse 16 and 17 says, this, this servant led David down, and, and there they were. In other words, the, the army that had plundered. They were scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. David fought them. From dusk until the evening of the next day, and none of them got away except, and again, here's my humor kicking in, except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. Come on, get, the, get a picture. Can, can you just get a picture in your mind of that? 400 guys who, who looked around and said, we're not going to die today. And I, I don't know why I was young. 400 young men jumped on camels 
Come on, you still not getting it. You're still being way too Sunday morning for me. 400 young guys jump on camels, and they said, we're out of here, Jack. We are not staying. We're gone, all right? Now, here's, here's again, you got to understand my sense of humor. Here's the, the seventh thing. David fought from dusk through dawn to dusk the next day. Here's, here's the last thing. you got to be willing to fight. Are, are you, are you, you say, I, I'm, I'm tired of what I've been going through. Are you willing to fight? See, some, some of you need to listen to me today. There's some parents and grandparents in here, maybe even great-grandparents. This time, some of you started fighting for your kids. We, we, we got a world that is trying to suck them into a vortex of everything out there that's imaginable, that's ungodly and unholy. And we got parents who are sitting back just kind of saying, well, you know, kids will be kids. No, no, no. It's time moms and dads and grandpas and grandmas got on their knees and begin to say, we refuse to allow this generation to be sucked into this world system. We will not sacrifice our kids on the altar of wokeness or anything else. We are going to declare to our children... And our grandchildren that there is one God and his name is Jesus and we are going to declare holiness and righteousness and the glory of God and we will not just accept any and everything that gets shoved down our throat somebody needs to hear me today we're gonna fight for this next generation somebody's got to be willing to fight because if we don't start fighting we're gonna lose this generation because the world's offering them everything the world is selling them a bill of goods and if we're not careful, we are going to lose a generation. And if we lose a generation, we lose the church. Did you hear me? The majority of churches, I want the worship team to come in. The majority of churches in America are, are 60 years and older. I'm talking about people. They're my age and older that's in the church. Why? Because we are not willing to fight. Come on, somebody. Are you willing to fight? Is there something in your world that you say, I'm going to fight for it? Is there a child? Is there a son? Is there a marriage? Is there a business? Is there an opportunity? Is there an anointing on your life? Is there anything that you're willing to fight for? Don't watch them. Listen to me because you'll, you'll miss the whole thing. You watch them. Is there anything that you're willing to say, wait a minute. No, I'm not going to roll over and play dead anymore. I'm tired of this. Is there anything in your world? Because here's, here's what Scripture says, and we'll be done. Here's what it says. It says, David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken. Anybody ready to get some stuff back? Anybody? Anybody ready to recover some things in your life? Oh, yeah. Here's the word God gave me at 3.30 or 4 o'clock on a Sunday morning. The word was recovery. I'm just walking and praying, and I'm arguing with God, and I'm saying, God, you see what's going on. You see what's happening. And he drops one word into my spirit. He didn't give me a whole sentence. He didn't give me a paragraph because he knows I can't handle much more than a word. And he just said, recovery. And he takes me to this passage. And I said, God, what are you saying? He's saying, everything that's been taken, everything that's been stolen, I'm going to give it back. 
anybody. In fact, let me, let me just do this. We, we're not going to be religious and spiritual. How many of you have got some things in your life? You say, Lord, I'm ready to recover. Would you just hold your hand up? I'm ready to recover. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.